Welcome to YesPHX Presents. I'm Vincent Orlick, hosting this particular episode here live from Phoenix Startup Week 2018. I'm sitting here with one of our esteemed speakers. He's actually speaking tonight in roughly 90 minutes. Something like that. Something like that. We're we're actually going to try to get this episode up before then. Uh, Maybe get a little extra pub. Uh, But his name is Sean Shuchuk. I got that right. Got it. That's a tough one, that last name. (laughs) Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Um, Sean's topic is influence. And uh, the, the description on the website, learn the difference between managing a business and being an entrepreneur. Find out how to achieve real freedom as an entrepreneur. Sean, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks Thanks for coming on. Um, tell us a little bit about how you are bringing influence to Phoenix Startup Week. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. <laughs> is that a loaded enough question? It, or it is. Okay. So I, maybe I'll give a little bit about what I am and, and, and then who, who I am and what I do and that kind of thing. So I am the number one results coach in the country. I work all over the United States and Canada and primarily with entrepreneurs, small business people, uh, so many people decide they're going to pursue the American dream. They're going to go out and they're going to do something on their own. There's this great big massive misconception that I'm going to become an entrepreneur and I'm just going to magically have money rolling through the door and I can take time off whenever I want. I can do whatever I want, however I want, with whomever I want. And that is the American dream. However, it doesn't usually happen quite that fast. And nine out of 10 small businesses today in the United States go out of business within a year. Less than, this is an interesting stat, less than 2% of all businesses will ever, ever do 100,000. Less than 0.05% will do a million in a year, ever. So is it tough? It can be. Um, And the challenge is, is, you know, a good friend of mine and colleague, um, Michael Gerber, wrote a book a number of years ago called The E-Myth. And he talks about in his new book, um, most people think they're entrepreneurs, but they aren't. They're technicians having an entrepreneurial seizure. And there's <laughs> there's some one. truth to, to what he says. Absolutely. Because if you're a good plumber, just because you're a good plumber doesn't make you a good entrepreneur. If you're a good consultant, doesn't necessarily make you a good entrepreneur. And just because you can go down to whatever local authority there is and incorporate a company in your jurisdiction doesn't mean you're necessarily an entrepreneur. It just means you've incorporated a company. So they get caught up in this hamster wheel of working in their business, not on their business. They get caught up in working uh, so much, probably more than they were when they had a traditional JLB. The reality of what influence really is, is helping people understand in order to build something, you have to have strong, powerful, productive, and high trust relationships. People do business with people they know. You'll have the odd person who will come to me and say, Sean, well, we live in a technology age. Everything is going to be done online at one point in time. Um, A lot of it will be done online. And we do a lot of business online. We generate millions of dollars in a few companies that I own and run from from different different online, you know, uh, mediums, Facebook. We, We do a ton. But not everything happens that way. Mm-hmm. If, for example, those six and seven figure business deals don't happen because you have Craigslist or Facebook ad. It, just, it is not a reality. Um, if you want to build that six and seven figure business, you want a 5X or you want a 10X where you are today, it really comes down to shaking someone's hand, nose to nose, toes to toes. It comes, you know, Phoenix Startup Week, being here and, and that networking component. Um, there's also the other side of it is building and nurturing that relationship because those type of business deals don't happen in a split second. It takes time to nurture that relationship to where someone says, hey, you aren't a something, because the harsh reality is, and some people don't like when I say this, if you're a something, so for example, I'm a realtor and I or I am a something, as, as something is a nothing. Mm-hmm. You have to become the something. 
right? If you are the something, people go, oh, well, I'm going to go see the, I worked with a realtor, and I use this as an example, because you were to meet a realtor, I don't know, at an elevator waiting to go down. Say, what do you do? He or she would say, I'm a realtor. Say, well, you know, why Why should I utilize you to buy or sell a home? They're like, well, I'm better than everyone else. Well, you go to any real estate board in North America, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of realtors. How does that set them apart? Well, it doesn't. But if you're the something, so I branded a guy one time, we worked together, his name is, well, it doesn't matter what his name is, mm-hmm. he, he's the all-inclusive realtor. He doesn't do anything different than any other realtor that's worth their salt does, but he just tells people. So the first thing, if you say, I'm the all-inclusive realtor, the person says, well, what does that mean? Now you have a conversation. So influence comes down to how people see you, your brand, and influence comes down to the relationships you have. Influence comes down to how people perceive you. Right. And so perception is important. Sure. And and that brand positioning. 100%. Even as an entrepreneur. So it's not just uh, the Coca-Colas and McDonald's of the world. It's the individual entrepreneur. There is a, uh, a responsibility on their end that they should take pretty seriously in a positioning manner. If they want to be successful. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there... How would you, and I, we're putting you on the spot, uh, but how would you, what's, what's maybe one, one thing that, that someone could do to, to do that, to accomplish that, to position themselves in that way where they are taking, they're setting themselves apart. They're taking themselves seriously. Great question. Uh, think about it from this perspective. We live in a society where if we say we are something, we're accepted as that. And if you want an example of that, when was the last time you went to see your doctor or you went to an attorney's office and you asked to see their license to practice or their certificate or their diploma? Never. The white coat is enough. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that is a real. Is that the scope? Kind of like catch me if you can. Seriously. Right? Yeah. We live in a society where trust is a backbone, right? Yes. And there's all kinds of enforcement authorities, but the harsh reality is there. That's, that's just a scare tactic. We, if you say you are a, mm-hmm. people are going to believe you're a. Um, so if you are honest and ethical and you put yourself out there as the something, people are going to want to do business with you and you build that brand. But there's a point in time where you have to understand that a brand is something you need to protect. I'll give you an example. The big companies like the AT&Ts of the world and the Coca-Colas of the world you referenced before, mm-hmm. they literally have, you know, I, I say brand police, where there are people that are employed by these companies to protect the brand, even the, you know, Coca-Cola's, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, font. Yep. Right. That is protected. And they be able to come and knock on your door and say there was a there was a bed and breakfast in the middle of nowhere, 150 miles from the closest city on the hillside. And these Coca-Cola folks went there and knocked on the door and said, you can't use that font. It was this name of the place was something special, but it was the Coca-Cola font. Um, and they made them change it or their lawyers did one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> right? or, uh, one, one that comes up all the time is, is Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. They have. I, I think it's, is it Pantone? A Pantone color is Tiffany's blue. Mm-hmm. It's They patented or trademarked that color. And if someone uses that color, I mean, that's why they did it because it's theirs and that's it. And they put a ton of uh, time, effort, energy, and money behind protecting what they've built. And most entrepreneurs don't understand something that most entrepreneurs, they panic. So if they don't do deal or they don't bring business in today, there's a panic switch that goes off and they go, oh my goodness, I have bills, I have a mortgage, I have kids, I have et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and panic goes off. And the next person that comes along and holds out a credit card or a check and they say, hey, I want to do business with you, but I don't want to pay you what you're worth. They might use those words, but that's the gist. Right. Like, yeah, of course, anything, just take it. So all of a sudden now they're working for less than they're worth. Do you realize that most people today have a lifetime experience, knowledge, education, and a background that is worth untold amounts of money, but they don't see the value. Therefore they don't ask. 
And one of the things I've learned over the years, if you don't ask, you don't get. Right. So if you are serious about building a business where you have freedom, freedom is defined as the ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. That's it. That's the American dream. And if you want that, you're going to have to do something that no one else or most people aren't willing to do. So 98% of the population won't do what it takes to get there. 2% will. <laughs> that's that's totally true. Um, I like the idea that you just brought up of, because I don't think it's stressed enough, of customers as your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just like you said, they panic and uh, a business or even, I mean, not just an entrepreneur, but a, a business itself, just because they're not... They're not bringing in the revenue at that moment. So they're just going to take whatever the next thing is. And if it's the wrong fit, that's not a good fit for your brand. Now, let's, so as an example, let's say you're an agency and you do not, you're an ad agency or something mm-hmm. and you, you're, you're not getting a lot of work. This, this work comes in and it's something that you don't typically work with. So now you're working a little bit out of your element. Number one, number two, they, they're not necessarily appreciative of the work. And then when you do that, you put the work out there and it's not quality. Chances are and that, that customer client is going to become your biggest headache. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's not your area. So one of the things that we do is when we start a business, we are in that mode where we will do anything for any amount. Right. So there's this ingrained idea that I have to accept. Someone holds a check out to me, I have to take it. And they don't want that person to walk away because, oh my God, that was $10,000 right. or whatever that amount of money was. But the challenge is, is so for example, I mean, I've started running profit from 43 different companies. Each one of those companies had something specific it did. If And some ran them. Like, so for example, I run Change Results. Okay, that is a global agency, work all over the world. Our primary focus is US and Canada, but we still work in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also own a company called Results Press, which is nonfiction publishing for books. Um, separate company, separate team, separate bank accounts, separate everything. Okay. Two separate companies. Uh, the problem is, is most people in the entrepreneurial space wouldn't do that. They would say, well, this one wants to write a book, so I'll just take his money or her, her money. And you have to keep that separate because if you, you can't be all things to all people and not everyone's going to be happy. Right. And if you, if you, that's what you strive for, you, it will hurt you in the long run. Um, entrepreneurs are an interesting breed because entrepreneurs at the end of the day, uh, they most times perform very well under pressure. Most entrepreneurs, you can hold a gun to their head and they'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're used to the, they become accustomed to that. The other challenge they have is they don't have a structure. If you don't have a structure, you're going to be in deep trouble. And that could mean. What happens with the money when it comes to the door? What happens to a new client when they come to the door? Is there a process? Is there a system? Because if you put into place those processes and systems that work, right, the results happen. And you want a prime example of that? McDonald's. You can buy a Big Mac here in Phoenix. You can go to Moscow. You can go to Canada. doesn't matter where you go. The Big Mac's a Big Mac, right? Um, that's a process. And it works every time. And if yep. it doesn't work, right? And the only person that can that can bend the process a little bit is the manager. They can say, yeah, you know, we're going to make an exception because you, the client, is right, right? Mac, Big Mac wasn't perfect. Let's give you a coupon or whatever their thing is. Uh, understanding that they're in place for a reason, right? Um, if, if an entrepreneur wants to be successful, there's a plan, okay? That's your objective. Where are you going? What does a destination look like? You create a plan. What are those productive action steps you should be doing every day, every hour, every minute? 
And what should you not be doing? Let's eliminate those things that are non-productive to you. That doesn't mean they're non-productive to someone else. It means you download, delegate, and automate to someone else. But what should you be doing only that's going to move you in the direction of that destination or goal? Once you have those action steps, those are what moves you in that direction. That's all you're going to do. And you block those in your calendar every day, every week, every month, etc. And at the end of the day, you're going to see the results. If you put that into place, the problem is, is we go, oh my goodness, this is my focus for today, but the phone rang and this person, that's $100,000 or whatever the amount of money is. And we, we forget that this is what has to happen right now. Instead, we want, right, and it's the squirrel syndrome, right? We want to do 100 things. I had a lady today when I was, had a layover flying in and she texted me while I was sitting at, at the, on my layover. She said, I really want to work with you, but I said, what's the but? She said, we get a lot of money. I said, okay, but you're going to see results if you're going to take action steps. I'm just overwhelmed every time I think about it, right? She says, I don't know what I want to do, and that's the problem, right? Let's get really clear on what that destination is. Once we know where we're going, we'll get there. If you went outside today, hop in your car, had no idea where you're going, you're driving in circles, and that's most <laughs> entrepreneurs, yes. right? Um, let's switch gears for a second. Sure. You did not learn all this overnight. No. <laughs> or on the plane here. No. How, how did you how did you come to this point where um, you you gain this knowledge and and why did you decide to start sharing with with everyone? That's a really good question. I grew up in an entrepreneurial home when I was really young. We didn't have a lot of money, but um, you know my my parents worked hard and I vowed I would never be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Um, I finished high school and I moved from, we grew up in a very small town and I moved, it was about 70,000 people. And I moved to, you know, the big city, a few million people. And I went and got a job and very quickly in the first month learned I was highly unemployable. And, but I didn't want to work. My dad, God bless me, his long past was a workaholic. And I, I didn't want that. I remember, I remember being a kid working, you know, uh, weekend evenings until two, three, four in the morning because it had to get done. At least that's what he thought. And I vowed I'd never be there. But one of the things that happened at 13 years old, there was a, this will date me, the internet didn't really exist, didn't exist. <laughs> and there was a, there was a uh, classified ad in the back of a magazine, something about helping businesses grow. And it was $13. And I asked my parents to write a check and they did. And this book came and I read through it three times, cover to cover and put it away because, you know, I grew up rural on a farm. Who are you going to consult? The cattle? Down the, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm a kid. Um, and so at 19 years old, I started knocking on doors, uh, went back to school a couple times, was a horrible student, but still, um, and what really hit me was I started consulting, going, worked for a large management consulting firm, four years, worked my way up to where they offered me a partnership. But what I really, really got clear on is you can have the best processes, procedures, and systems in the world. If you don't have engagement, burn the binders. Um, this comes from a lot of trial and error. A lot of what I teach, they don't teach you in college or university. Uh, this comes from the school of hard knocks, as cheesy as that may sound or cliche as it may sound. Um, you know, two out of those 43 companies were phenomenal face plants with road rash to go along with them where I failed miserably. Most people won't get back up, won't get back on the horse, you know, the proverbial horse and go do it again. Um, and so I've really done this my entire life along with actually building companies. So the largest company I built was a $133 million a year consulting firm. And I built a whole bunch of other ones along the way. And um, I've made some phenomenal mistakes. Um, I've also worked with over, over 8,700 clients over the last 20 some years. Uh, and a good portion of those have done incredible things and built multi-million dollar companies. 
Um, and some of them are retired. Some of them, you know, yeah. So this comes from a lot of experience. One of the keys to, to getting where you want to and doing it faster, in other words, collapsing timeframes, is not doing it yourself. And that's why coaching works so well. Because coaching is, uh, most people do it differently. I'm a little bit unique. Coaching is a holistic experience. If you have, you know, your left hand is your, your, your personal life, your right hand is your business. If there's something that's, that's uh, out of balance in your personal life, it's going to affect the business. And if there's something incongruent on the business side, it's going to affect the personal life. Caught in the middle between both are your relationships. Could be with your wife, your husband, your kids, and business relationships. So if there's something out of alignment, it's going to cause challenges. But when it's in alignment, so coaching is a holistic process. It addresses what goes on the six inches between our ears. It involves relationships and influence. So up-leveling that, that, those relationships. But it also involves something else, something dramatically different, where we set some huge targets and goals and say, I'm going to do something crazy that most people, you know, and most people will tell you, you're crazy. And there's a lot of detractors. You want to start a business? You know what the economy's doing? Are you nuts? Are you Looney Tunes? Right? And so what we have to be able to do, I mean, I just shut people off. I'm like, thanks. Have a nice day. Um, you know, even we're working right now on starting the my 43rd with a partner um, to help run that because, right, I'm the guy who, Come summertime, I'm only in the office three, maybe four days, maybe four days a week. And I have an incredible team that helps. And so part of it is the scalability. And that's where the difference between an entrepreneur and the technician we talked about earlier is when you're an entrepreneur, you want to build something where you can take a step back. Um, I'm blessed I have two little boys. And so in the summertime, I have the opportunity. We bought a place in the Rocky Mountains. We go there and we spend, you know, three, four, three, four days every weekend in the Rockies. Um, and that may not be for everybody, but whatever your dream is, mm -hmm. I love going into the mountains. I love that's, you know, for me, that's just, you know, that's heaven. Um, but whatever, maybe you want to travel. Maybe you want to take three months off with your family and just go away. How do you get there? How do you get there and do it in less time? Um, anyone can probably find their way over the course of 35 or 40 years, but how do you go from zero to say a million dollars in 24 or 36 months? Is it possible? Yes. Does it mean you're going to have to do something dramatically different? Yeah. Does it mean you're probably not going to get to watch every football game? Yes. <laughs> right. But yeah, there's a reality behind it. And so people that really start to understand that entrepreneurship is a lifestyle, not a job, they'll make the difference. You mentioned um, North, working around North America, mm -hmm. up and down North America, all over the place, right? Um, and you're from Canada. I am. Um, are you seeing any sort of a difference between the Canadian entrepreneur and the <laughs> United States version of the entrepreneur? Um, yes and no. Uh, let's be clear. Uh, Canada is a little bit more, uh, they lean a little more towards the entrepreneurial side. Okay, um, sure. Uh, and, it, and that's maybe an unfair statement because certain parts of the United States um, and population here, of course, is much greater. I mean, the state of California is greater than, the you know, population is greater than the entire population of Canada, right. same with the state of Illinois. So, I mean, population-wise, we're a very small country. Um, and I think in Canada, because you can drive for eight or nine hours without seeing a single soul, um, it, it's kind of a necessity. Uh, in the United States, there are definitely huge pockets. Um, Phoenix is one. Massive entrepreneurial community here. Huge. Um, I've spoken here. I've coached here. I've worked here. Um, I've got business partners here. Uh, uh, Southern California is another one. Um, uh, believe it or not, if you start going east, you can go Philadelphia, an area. There's a ton of re very strong entrepreneurs. So not all, 
But there are certain areas very much where, you know, you talk about entrepreneurs, like, oh, I'm going to go and work for the government. Go try, try Washington, D.C. and see what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without question. Is it, is there anything like, I guess what I'm getting at too is is just even in the way because there's there's different ways that that people approach things in general, mm-hmm. you know, Canadian versus versus American. Is there is there like a like even on the business side where there's a certain mindset that growing up in certain Canadian cities mm-hmm. is different than you know what I, I'm I'm happy to say I'm from North America, um, United States. I've I'm down here lots. I have some incredible folks, or friends and clients, and and you know even relatives in the United States. Um, we're other than this great big long border, mm-hmm. what they call the you know the, the longest unprotected border. Um, I don't think he's putting a wall up on that one, so hopefully we'll be okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, there's not a lot of differences. Right. We really were, we're, we're very similar. Um, you know, definitely we have some different government and different, you know, Canadian government is at least right now who's, you know, in power. They're very much, you know, uh, leaning toward the liberal side of things, uh, not so much the conservative side of things. I mean, there's different ideals that mm-hmm. depending on who's sure. you know sitting in the, in the driver's seat. But, um, as a whole, I would say, no, I mean, there are pockets, you go to Quebec. I mean, that's a wholly different society. Um, you know, they don't even operate like U.S. and Canada, for the most part, operate on, you know, a common law from the, you know, U.K. many, many years ago. You know, there's this little pocket in Canada, Quebec, that operates on the Polyannic law, mm-hmm. right? Just, it, it, it's a different, you know, world. Um, but as a whole, no. I think, you know what, I think where both countries are relatively similar in, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, Canada does have um, a little bit more of it because I think of the the vast expanses of nothing as you drive <laughs> to the country. Like you drive to the prairie provinces. I mean, you, you, you can watch your dog run away for about you know six days. Uh, it's like, it's like Texas, West Texas or something or Montana. It, it, you know, <laughs> I the remember the first time I ever went here. to Topeka, Kansas and I was like, yeah, what the? <laughs> right. Um, Wizard of Oz. That's about, you know, but um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, Entrepreneur is an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've worked with people in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, US, Canada, of course. Uh, you know, it's somebody that that really makes a decision, and it's not about something they think is going to be easier because it's not. It's somebody who makes a decision and says, you know what, I'm going to do something that most people won't. I want the freedom. I don't want to work till I'm 55, 65, 70, because most governments today in the world, in the westernized countries, are broke. The idea of pensions of any kind is out the window. Even private pensions are, you know, uh, in a position where they don't have enough to uh, to fund what they need. So the reality of it is, is it's really up to us as individuals, as entrepreneurs, as business owners to say, what does our future, even my family's future look like? Um, you know, do I want... So here's the interesting part. About 90%, 95% of people today in the United States, when they hit retirement age, will be dependent upon someone else for the necessities of life at some level. Mm. That's a staggering amount of people. That And, you know, we're starting to see the sandwich generation now where somebody who's in their 30s and 40s is, you know, raising kids but also supporting their parents, in some cases, under the same roof. Um, we're going to see more and more of that because we're stuck in something that we have created as a society over the last probably 100 years where, you know, you look at the United States debt, right? Um, what happens? And no one has an answer, right? I, totally. And, and I agree on the whole, an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur. It's kind of the same problems and issues and successes and failures all across the board everywhere. Um, last question for you. Sure. Um, 
is there something that that you're seeing when you're dealing with entrepreneurs um, businesses in general that is like what is what is the the number maybe the number one or a couple of top things that you see them really struggling with you sound like me when i'm interviewing <laughs> <laughs> what are the takeaways what are those gold nuggets? yes uh there are uh, so uh, the first one i'll start with is most people get caught up um head down ass up and what that very simply means is they're scraping the bottom of the barrel every two weeks or every month. And um, because they are doing what we talked about, not only what I think it was maybe before we went on air, where we were talking about what sometimes people get caught in, right? Not doing those things they need to be doing and um, and doing more than they should. So if, you know, if, if this is what I do, maybe I'm a consultant or I'm a plumber. You know, if I'm a plumber, I shouldn't be taking jobs in excavation. Right. I should be building a power team of those people who can help me so I can I can be that all inclusive plumber. Right. And just say we're going to take care of everything. So uh, pull your head out of somewhere. Um, opportunities aren't down there. Right. Your behind can't tell what an opportunity is. They're up here where you, you know your eyes are. Um, that's first. Secondly, um, pay yourself. I know this is this sounds cliche. Pay yourself first, because at the end of the day, it makes no sense for you to pay everyone else and you have nothing. Um, and two, one of the mistakes I made many years ago is take some time. Uh, in 2007, you know, long story made very, very short, the, the doctors thought I had cancer. And thank God I didn't. But it was a massive wake-up call because I was running three or four companies. I was working literally 18 hours a day. Uh, and yeah, money was there. But, you know, when you're, when, you're not, when you're not around, money doesn't mean very much. Right. Right. Sean, thank you. Sean Shuchuk is speaking today in about, now it's about an hour. <laughs> an hour away yes, 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 um yes. so if you're listening to this podcast before 5 p.m tonight tuesday then definitely go check out his his presentation can I, can I give away a gift you can absolutely i was going to give you that opportunity whatever you want to do I'll, I'll give anyone who hears this now or whenever whenever it's, it airs whenever uh, go to freebookfromshawn.com freebookfromshawn.com get yourself a copy of my first best-selling book That works. Yeah. I, and it's and it's Sean S H A W N. It's S H A. You can go to changeyourresults.com. That's okay. the so if you go to changeyourresults.com, very easy. Uh two R's in the middle, changeyourresults.com, and you can grab a copy there too. Fantastic, well. fantastic. Sean, thank you so much for I know this was like a last minute thing, and I I appreciate you you coming on. We appreciate you coming on and being here in Phoenix for, for Phoenix Startup Week. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks.